Hello and welcome back to the Masterclass Tactical Podcast. My name is Haydar Rabani and I'm your host as ever today. This is brought to you by Elite Football Show, as you can see in the bottom left and the top right. We've got a brand new sort of branding going on and it's just looking really great. And what a way to do our first show straight after the new branding with that fantastic 5-0 win. And I'm joined as ever today by my usual co-host, Rob Blanchett. Rob, what an incredible victory. I wasn't expecting to sit here with you having beaten probably one of the probably best field sides, I would say. I don't think that's too far of a stretch. In Europe, with one of the most upcoming managers, it's fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fantastic to play. Hi, Ada, how are you? Um, it was a, a great night for Manchester United. All cliches aside, I think we can say that Ole's tactical plan worked against Nagelsmann. Obviously, a great up-and-coming progressive coach. And, yeah, no one can ever see these uh, these 5 nil nights coming. But I think we've seen, probably since the Tottenham result, uh, a real progression with the team in terms of their fitness uh, and just their output, just improvements in all parts of the pitch. The thing that really, really, I would say, impresses me is that after Tottenham, after 6-1, everything could have quickly unravelled. And we did speak, didn't we, about the Tottenham game. Actually, this is before we started the Masterclass series. And my biggest concern was that, will it get worse and worse? You know, would the, would the players down tools? Would the manager be able to fix the problem? And what Oli's done in that time, and you just have to look at the results, beat Newcastle 4-1, We've beaten PSG away on their turf 2-1. Drew with Chelsea 0-0. For me, I would have liked to have seen us win that game. I think it was there for the taking, but it's not a bad result in the scheme of a long 38-game season. And then again, now you've got 5-0 against Leipzig. That's two goals conceded, where before that we'd conceded an 11, I believe, in the league. For Oli to turn it around like that and to, to fix essentially a leaky defence is really, really underrated. He's not really getting the respect he deserves, is he, Rob? No. Not at all. Doesn't get the respect he deserves ever. I think when you think about what he did last season and how he kind of constructively brought Manchester United back into the top four after a really poor start, which of course he oversaw, he's been trying to fix certain situations at Manchester United tactically for a long time. And I think what we saw last night was all of the work that's been going on on, on the training pitch. You know, we can talk about formations till we're blue in the face, and that's something that we do on this podcast. That's what we're we're about here to talk about tactics. But I think people need to give Ole a little bit more respect. You know, he's just schooled Tuchel and Nagelsmann in two games in the Champions League in a row from this alleged group of death. Uh, you know, I don't really know what much more he's got to do. I understand that United fans want long-term success, and I think that's Ole's, you know, primary goal is to deliver that. But at the same time, the reactionary nature that we find, whether it be from Twitter or just generally in social media, about what Ole is, about the PE teacher kind of jibes that he gets, none of it is fair. And it's never been fair from day one. You know, this is a guy that did all of his coaching training under Sir Alex Ferguson. You might find that a little bit, bit of that has rubbed off on him. So much thing for me, Rob, is that I have no issue with people, and I'm one of them that does perhaps 
criticized maybe sometimes too much, but I do sit and I, I do try and be constructive and I do want to see certain things. But it's the jibes, isn't it? It's the PE teacher, it's the abuse that he gets. It's the uh there was there were fans I saw uh when Spurs were playing on the weekend, supporting and cheering that Spurs have scored and Kane and Son has scored. It's disgusting. So people like that shouldn't they don't deserve Rob to celebrate this sort of victory. They're not allowed to if they're not here with the with the poor times and the difficult times, they shouldn't be allowed to celebrate one of the best nights I think United have had in Europe in, in the recent times. Well, I've always said that fans are always entitled to their opinion. So if someone doesn't want to support Solskjaer, then that's fine. That's up to them. However, on nights like last night where we actually saw it all click, and obviously in other results as well, where United have played well and, and had big victories, including like the PSG result, that's when you've got to stand back and kind of say to yourself, what am I, Ole in or Ole out? As I always say to these fans, you don't have to be either. You can just watch the games. You can just either enjoy it and then maybe afterwards say, I didn't like what I saw on the pitch. I don't think there's any fan last night who will be standing back and saying, I didn't like what I saw from Manchester United in a 5-0 victory over Leipzig. And I think the other side of the coin is this. There were still some people last night after the game going, oh, well, that result came about because Leipzig were really poor and United just kind of got away with it. There are stats here to prove that Leipzig had more of the ball and they had more passes and more possession in certain parts of the park. United won 5-0. If you're not happy after a 5-0, go home. Don't watch football. Don't be a part of it. Don't enjoy it. You know, it, it's over the top. We can be overtly tactical about these things and we will talk about the variations obviously in the game uh, between ourselves here and for the audience watching but over over I think mean, ultimately we're united fans aren't we we enjoyed the victory you should be able to enjoy the victory without feeling that you're kind of pinching your own skin and saying well oh, I've been slagging off Ole all week and now we've just won 5-0 how do I feel about that well you don't have to be like that that's just the way it is. Maybe support the manager during these times. And yeah, if the results slide, then voice your opinion and say you're not happy with him. That's exactly it, isn't it? And it's very, very frustrating. And I think Ollie definitely deserves a lot more credit. To all the listeners, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. As you can see in the bottom right-hand corner, if you're watching this on YouTube, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Just look in the description below and you should be able to find all those links. We'd love to help you get us to 1K subscribers. We are growing rapidly, but we'd love to get there quicker. So thank you for all your support as usual. Rob, let's go into the tactical side of it because that's what we do on this podcast. And let's sort of delve into the reasons behind the selection. So Oli returned to a back four. You saw the back four come in and it's a back four that always sort of raises concerns, I think. Um, you know, obviously you've got Wan-Bissaka, Maguire, Lindelof and sure, a back four, I don't think that fills many people with confidence. But they they played fantastically well yesterday. I want to do this in bits. We'll do back four, we'll do midfield, then we'll do attack and then we'll talk about the whole sort of how we were in possession and out of possession. But Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof are two players who definitely get a lot of criticism. They're two players who seemingly don't work together. But in the past couple of weeks when they played together, I think they've been very quietly solid and confident. And, and I, I tweeted out last night that David De Gea, Maguire and Lindelof were all under massive pressure this season. You mentioned it last week that Lindelof's improved because of the fact that um, Axel is obviously now fit, so it's pushed his performances up. The hair is now improved because Henderson's in here. Real competition, genuine competition. But these are three experienced players, and Man United needed them to step up when it mattered after the after the Spurs game, and they've all done that, haven't they? Fantastically well. Yeah, look, this is Ole's back four. 
You know, this is the four that he wants to pick and has kind of stuck with for a year. So when he picks them in, in a big game like last night, it's not really a huge surprise, even though we all might have kind of variations of whether we want to see Tu and Zabi play or whether we would like to see Mengi get a chance or, you know, in, in future, obviously, Tellez. Some might even want Tim Fosumensa to get an opportunity somewhere in there. But ultimately, this is Ole's back four. And Ole's systems have been fairly rigid over the last year. It's been kind of a 4-2-3-1. And that's what he's stuck with, you know, consistently, you know, game to game to game. Slight variations in terms of whether players have got injuries, but that's what he plays. What we saw last night was that the system changed. It was some people, fans want to call it a 4-4-2 diamond. It's not specifically a diamond when it comes to uh, attacking and defending. It does change. There's, there's subtle variations in there, which I mean it isn't your traditional European diamond, as you might see, say, in Italy or certain times in La Liga. But United had a nice transition from the back four going forward through midfield to the attackers. That's improved massively over 12 months that they play from the back and they're more confident with the ball at their feet. You know, I've criticised Lindelof countless times. People will say to me, oh, why do you go for Lindelof and not Maguire? Quite often it's because it's just a decision and Lindelof's decision-making over a long period of time hasn't been good. Now, Lindelof's decision-making in the last two, three, four games has been absolutely elite. You know, this is the, the centre-back that we supposedly bought you know, under Mourinho, you know, being able to take it past the attacker who's pressing and bring it up 40 yards into midfield to the halfway line. That changes your whole game. If you can do that, you don't need to worry about the press because you just work through the press really quickly and then they're thinking about you. And that happened countless times last night for United from multiple players, not just Lindelof. And that back four looked really steady, really confident, all the way from De Gea into the defenders. They made a mistake two or three times when the ball came to feet and it was a little bit slow. That generally was from Wan-Bissaka. When it goes to Wan-Bissaka's side, he sometimes has a, a kind of preference to play inside to Fred. And when Fred's being marked, and that doesn't help United at all because you lose the ball. And that can then expose Lindelof and Maguire. But thankfully, last night, we didn't see that happen too often. Yeah, fantastic point about Lindelof carrying the ball. I, I noticed that yesterday as well. And what does that come down to? Is it down to confidence? Is it down to understanding the role that he has to play? Because we all know with Victor Lindelof that the issue wasn't necessarily him as a footballer. It wasn't necessarily his passing ability or ball playing ability. For me, it was always about his physicality, his uh, being susceptible. Uh, what's the word? I can't even say it now. Um, susceptible. I can't even say it. I'm going to have to edit this out. <laughs> That's so bad. What's the word? Uh, susceptibility. Susceptibility. Oh, I had it in my head. All right. Let's go. Um, being... I can't even do it now. My head's gone. Just start from um, the start again, yeah? Deep breath, go back one. <laughs> so what was the start of it? Record the whole um, scene again. Okay, so... Let me write it. 11... 14. Yeah, put your markers down always so you know yeah. where to go back and edit. So for me, I think with Victor Lindelof, it's never been about his ball-playing ability. I think it's just his struggles under the high ball and or under physicality from a physical number nine. But what he's really done recently is his, like you said, decision-making has been very good. And I, I go back to the game against Chelsea 
against Timo Werner when Werner's much quicker than him and he's very dangerous coming in with with space and on one on one and Lindelof marshaled him out. Remember we spoke about it last last time and the way he did that was very very good and. I've always actually been more of a Lindelof fan than I have been a Maguire fan. I think with Victor Lindelof, he's someone who can play what Oli wants to play, you know, playing out the back. But if you're if you're not a good defender, then it doesn't really matter. But have Maguire and Lindelof cemented themselves, as you said, as the first choice again? Because <clears throat> a lot of fans are asking about Axel, and we know why he's not playing. He's come back from a massive layoff. He's been injured since December. Oli's going to bring him in slowly, slowly. But with now more options you're going to now see a better performance from players in the squad, aren't you? Which we are seeing. Yeah, I don't think we have to talk about whether Maguire and Lindelof have cemented their positions. What we do know is that they are Ole's first choice centre-backs. So Ole is going to look to them, whether he changes the formation or not. They are the two guys that he's gone forward with for a year. He's going to keep faith in them. Uh, fans can have different opinions about whether and Zabi gets more games or should be playing or whatnot. But ultimately, he's still coming back from his long-term fitness issues. So he needs time in training just to get those back to the levels that he wants to be at. But I think also, you know, if United get hammered against Arsenal, and we will look forward to that game, um, that whole thing, ecosystem breaks down very quickly, doesn't it? You know, just kind of faith in the centre-backs who've had a really good game in Europe now against a really good side. If Arsenal undo that, fans against again will knee jerk and we'll be talking about them being dropped so I think you need to have a look at a bigger picture about how the team is performing from back to front it always starts with the the back four and the centre backs every attack starts from them that's the way you have to look at it you know it's in the old days of United with with Rio and Nemanja the great thing about Ferdinand was that he started every attack and last night we saw that creeping in a little bit more where Lindelof was taking the responsibility to step out with the ball and once he's passed his man, he doesn't look so slow. When he's got some space in front of him on the front foot, he's suddenly not slow. His issue is when he's up against a quick forward who'll run behind him. So when you play the formation that United did last night, you mitigate some of that problem. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's about tight winning sides. They have strong defences, and that's something United haven't had for a very, very long time. And we're moving in the right direction. There are still deficiencies, I think. Axel will, will have a big part to play. I think Axel probably will play against Arsenal. I hope he plays. And that'll be intriguing to see what Oli does there. Do you don't think he'll play? No. Do you don't think he will? Again, you know, we've got to look about why United change the team and rotate. At the moment, the medical report is telling Ole that he can't play to and Zabi too often yet. He will do when his fitness gets back. But he's putting on the bench and it's about keeping strong. Why would you change? Uh, you just got a clean sheet against Leipzig, who are the best team in Germany at the moment in Bundesliga. Why would you change that? So there's nothing about Arsenal that makes you think, yeah, let's just make six changes again and think that we'll win. Because I think the Premier League is actually tougher than the Champions League for the way that United play. You know, I think the Champions League gives United an opportunity to hurt teams. We saw what happened against Chelsea. There's not a huge amount of difference between Chelsea and Arsenal at the moment in the sense that. Both have got weak defences, but they're improving in midfield and their attack can really hurt you if you give them space. But, you know, why? if, if you're going to play four at the back, would you just drop Maguire or Lindelof tomorrow and put in two in Zabie? I don't, I don't think that makes no, any sense at all. Like if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm looking at the reports and all the sports science and all the data, I'm almost assured that that data is not telling me that unless 
Lindelof or Maguire get a knock in training and then suddenly you are then thinking about two and Zabi? I think uh, the only way two and Zabi probably would come in is if United go to a three at the back, which is a, which is a possibility. I'm not too sure if they will do that. I mean, obviously we'll talk about that after the Arsenal game. But moving on to the midfield, Rob, and this is where the, the big change was. I didn't see a 4-4-2 diamond necessarily. Um, we'll talk about sort of in possession with the midfield, but I think what was nice to see is that we had a solid foundation with Fred and Matic. And I was happy to see Matic back in. I said at the end of last season that when Nemanja Matic is playing at top form, Man United are a much, much better team. They're a much more solid team defensively. Uh, I think I still think he's the most natural defensive midfielder we have. He's the best positionally. I think his awareness is, is the best. The issue is it comes down to the fact that age is not on his side. We know this with Matic, and we said this last season, he can't play more than one game a week. And I think what Oli's done fantastically well, and this is also due to the fact that Fred and McTominay have stepped up. But Matic has definitely now had the time. He can come in in the big games and play one game here and one game there and, re and really then be effective. Um, what I liked is I liked the fact that Pogba played further forward as well. Sort of on, He kind of played on the left of a, th of a three, I would say, but he had license to go forward. And this is where he's really, really dangerous. Um, and then you, you add Van der Beek into the mix and he finally got his first start. And... I saw your tweets, and I think my view on Van der Beek was different to yours. I was, you were saying he was lacking a bit of match fitness, but I thought he was impressive yesterday. W without the ball, we sort of went four three three, and he went as a, a false nine. But he started the press. He did what Bruno did. You had Martial on the left side of him, and you had uh, Greenwood on the right. And I just thought Donny was very hard working, absolute workhorse. I did tweet at the end of the game. He had he ran about ten point four. 5k i believe uh, and that was only beaten by fred who was about 11.5 and donny came off for the 70th, 70th minute which says a lot so for me i just thought he he did exactly what the manager asked him to do against a side which moved the ball very well and i also found that he was he was very intelligent some nice touches here some nice touches there linked up with pogba well clearly he's got that footballing iq but how much of a positive is it that bruno doesn't play but the the quality doesn't really drop as much. Before we were having Pereira, Lingard, the fact that you can bring on Van der Beek to do a similar sort of role is exactly what United have been lacking in the midfield. So yeah, talk to me a little bit more about the midfield options and how you thought we set up. Yeah, it certainly wasn't uh, a criticism of Van der Beek saying that he, he lacked sharpness because he's not he's not played any football. <laughs> he's, he hasn't started a game. For, you know, I think he last started for Ajax almost seven months ago. So it, it, yeah, it's completely down. it's completely normal for him to to not have complete sharpness, and I think that was the one thing I think that the the pundits all said afterwards was that it's not a problem with what he does. His movement's really good. He's an intelligent footballer. He led the press yesterday, obviously with Bruno not starting. That's all very normal. He's just off the pace a little bit, and what I meant by that is you could see the difference in maybe he the way he was pressing the centre back when he was playing in that three going forward on the press. Then when Bruno came on, 20 minutes towards the end, and Bruno was literally living in that centre-back's head. So there's a difference in how you play the press, and it's normally down to physicality. It means that how quickly you get that sprint on to go and impact them. And that's that's a bit that Van der Beek can do. He does, He's never really done it at Ajax. He, he can play in that role as a 10, but we saw United set up in two separate ways yesterday, both on the back foot and the front foot. On the front foot with the press, it was 4-3-3. Three, three. 
You know, you had the three United midfielders spread across, obviously Pogba on the left, and it allowed Matic to kind of be a more kind of disciplined role and it allowed Fred to go and travel. So that was nice. You know, on a 4 3 3 on the front foot, that's really, really good. What you saw on the back foot was Greenwood kind of retreat into his kind of traditional right-sided role that we've seen in the tour, in the 4-2-3-1, which he plays. And he was going there, helping Wambasaka and protecting. So it wasn't a, a 4-5-1 on the back foot. People are talking about diamonds and stuff, and, you know, you can call it whatever you want to call it at the end of the day. It's not, that's not massively important. What's important is where, where the roles are and the role players. And Donny was playing as this kind of forward going in there who was helping the two uh, centre-forwards Play, play that system of going forward as a three and then coming backwards and allowing himself to integrate into the midfield. And the reason why they did that is because of the way that Leipzig play. So Leipzig play with lots of width. They play with really high wing backs. They want to get round you, round the outside, and they want to kind of hurt you that way, either with crosses or getting in behind your defenders. And United, by and large, nullified that last night. We didn't really see a lot of Leipzig kind of being successful and it's also why you didn't see a plan B from Leipzig because they're so successful normally with that system and they hurt teams that they normally get the chances off. Now, last night, you know, De Gea didn't really make many chance, many saves. I kind of remember two or three, you know, the but the one when Canate uh, headed it really close and he did that. Yeah, they, they weren't what we would call save. big That's chances. I remember. Yeah, statistically in the trade, they always talk about big chances now rather than just chances. So, you know, someone shooting from 45 yards is a chance. But someone who's right in front of the goal is a kind of big chance. There wasn't a lot of that last night from Leipzig. And that was that was pleasing. But it was more about how the balance between the midfield works. You know, we talked about Van der Beek. It was a good run out for him for over like 67, 68 minutes. And it's a box ticked because it's the next step in his fitness and integrating into possibly becoming a starter in the weeks ahead. The most pleasing thing for me, of course, last night was Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba's fitness has been progressing nice and consistently for the last six weeks. He's had COVID. You could see in those games where he came back and he was rushed back by Ole. Ole's admitted this. Ole wanted his primary midfielder in that in these games. He played him. It failed because he's not fit. Last night, we saw the real Paul Pogba, the Paul Pogba that can play in a position that he likes, the left-hand side of a midfield role, whether that be a three in a 4-3-3, or the left-hand side in a 4-5-1 defensively, and it works. Uh, I heard a certain Sky Pundit criticise Paul Pogba last week for being on the left wing, and why does this boy not know how to play football? Well, he's played on the left quite often in his career, in Juventus, that's exactly what he did all the time, and he did it quite often for Mourinho, depending on what system was played. And last night, we saw him play on the left-hand side. It's not new to him. It's a it's a role he's really, really familiar with. He's not a marauding left-sided winger, obviously, but that's not the system either. So the balance between the midfielders last night with Fred doing a lot of the work, Matic being more disciplined, Van der Beek going and helping with the press, but then slipping back into midfield when he needs to, but also Greenwood coming back and allowing Wambasaka to have a little bit more protection in front of him. That all just worked absolutely perfectly and I think we'll see United maybe carry on this system in weeks to come they will tweak it no doubt about it Ole will look to go back to 4-2-3-1 at some point because he likes that system for a nice solid base but if you want to get on the front foot you want to utilize your weapons and that is last night obviously Mason Martial bringing on uh, Bruno you saw how it worked and then Rashford having the ability to run from deep 
United are going to hurt teams. You know, Arsenal will be looking at that last night and they'll be going, ah, this is not the team we thought we were going to play when we saw the Tottenham match. And United have done really well to kind of sort out those issues that we saw against Spurs. Yeah, some fantastic points. One of the ones I want to draw on is the fact that I think Oli got it absolutely spot on in the first half. And I was speaking to a few people during the game and they were like, this is not good enough. Leipzig are dominating. I'm like, we're 1-0 up against the semi-finalists of last season. And it's been, we've been very, very comfortable. And this is something that annoys me. Since I started doing this podcast with you, obviously we sit down and we, we analyze things in more detail. And it's not so black and white, Rob. It's not like, oh, United aren't attacking you know, on the eye test, so they're not playing very well. It's just rubbish because at the end of the day, I sat down and did a lot on Leipzig and we know with Leipzig, as you said, their plan A works 99% of the time. They like to push their fullbacks up wide. Like you said, they like to get crosses in. They've got a lot of strength in midfield. I think what Oli did very well is he played those four midfielders. So off the ball, what United did is they clogged that midfield. They didn't allow Leipzig's midfielders to make those, you know, those line-breaking runs. And we know with our defence that they aren't the quickest as well. So that was something that we had to look out for. And I think what was very impressive is that United were very flexible in their shape. As you said, they were doing like a 4-3-3. Then they changed not to a 4-5-1, but obviously Greenwood did his defensive duties, which is something that he was criticised for after the Spurs game. And this shows as well that the players are listening. They are buying into what Oli's saying. They are invested in what he, what he's saying. And it's also showing that Oli knows how to change it because after the Spurs game, we saw that neither Rashford or Greenwood were run, were running back, but every single player last night worked their, worked their socks off. But I think what was impressive for me is that the balance was there. And we talk about balance a lot. And I want to talk to you more about this balance in the side that we look at our midfield options, Fred, McTominay, Matic, van der Beek, Pogba, Bruno. That is depth that any top club in Europe would want. But they can't all play together. And we know that. And you say you say the certain Sky Pundit, I thought it was nonsense. I tweeted out straight after what he said. It's nonsense that Bruno and Pogba can't play together. But that system last night, because I've had a lot of questions about this. Can they play together? What's our best midfield? And I'm going to push this towards you. I've said in response to that to a lot of uh, listeners that there isn't really a best midfield because it depends on who you're playing. If you're playing, for example, Leipzig, I think that midfield worked. You could have swapped Bruno for van der Beek so you can press them. But then if you're playing, like you said, Chelsea the other week, I think Fred and McTominay did work for what Oli wanted to do. But can Pogba and Bruno play together? And that's the question that gets asked because I say yes. Look after the restart. They're fantastic together. Yeah, look, I think there's a really good way of looking at this. It might be a little bit more of a long-winded answer as people are used to it from me. But look at the way City play and the way Liverpool set up. So both teams have a preference overall for playing 4-3-3. Yeah, this is the formation that we've seen in Europe for the last five years have the most success. It's not always a kind of bog standard 4-3-3 of what we would know of it 10 years ago. It's much more fluid and it allows you to get your press on. It allows you to put numbers in midfield. But the overall overriding factor is you have to work hard. Yeah, if you work hard in that system, you can go and hurt teams. Now, that's what we saw from United last night. It wasn't a traditional diamond. Why? Because if it had been a tighter diamond with more narrow narrow kind of side sides of the diamond coming in, pressing in together, you'd have had more space on the outside. We didn't see that. What we saw was Mason coming on this side, allowing them to spread across and stop being passed through between the lines. When you look at City and Liverpool, we talk about best 11s. You probably could say that you couldn't name Guardiola's best 11 because he has so many options. 
But you could say that you could name Liverpool's best eleven because he has uh, Klopp has a much uh, a bench that doesn't have maybe the depth that City does. So that's fine. They're the two sides of the coin. Manchester United need to sit somewhere in the middle. Yeah, we need to know who are the best players at the club, but not necessarily that they play every week. It's there's a real kind of there's a depth of knowledge and philosophy if you can make some of your best players have rests put them on the bench use them for 20 or 30 minute spells to go and kill teams there's something profound about that and that's what we saw last night Rashford on the bench Bruno on the bench in weeks gone by we've had Van der Beek on the bench Pogba on the bench none of these things should hurt fans you know at the end of the day this is not a popularity contest this is a football match this is about how do you tactically beat the opposition. Oh, fans aren't used to having this depth. It's been a long, long time. Yeah, imagine yeah, facing yeah, Pogba, Van der Beek, Martial, and then and Greenwood, and then 65th minute, you see Bruno Rashford and Cavani come on. Absolutely, but it, it shows to your own. It's just about how you feel about the world and football and all of these things and, and understanding it. So, you know, there would have been people last night going, why is Bruno not starting? Without Bruno, United can't win. People would have said, oh, we need Rashford's pace because he's, he's the one who does it on the left-hand side. No, you need systems that's what you need you need tactics and i'm quite tactically focused because of my job and just because of how i look at the game and i don't see huge issues with what ole does i like what ole does and how he's trying to play attacking football without negating his defense you know he understands that his center backs are not the quickest so he has to negate that what do you do well that's why you play someone like matic that's why mctominay's been getting minutes if you ask most Man United fans, do you want Scott McTominay to start? Most of them would say no, because when you add up all the pieces, you would have to put a Pogba in there. You'd put a Bruno at the front. You'd probably bring Fred in, who's now quite popular. Then you might start talking about Van der Beek. And, and you're just kind of thinking, right, where's the system here? It, it's not a popularity contest. You know, picking the team is about beating the opposition. That's also looking at their weapons, about what you're facing that week, like we will do with Arsenal. But it's also about getting the most out of your team. It doesn't hurt for good players to be sat on your bench and to use them at the right time. I think Ole's got his substitutes absolutely bang right the last few weeks. There's a real kind of coherency. And it doesn't seem to be a frustration. You know, when players are coming on and off, players look ready. And that's not what we've seen in years gone by because United have had a thin squad. So, you know, if you had a forward taken off for Andres Pereira, you know, that forward might be a little bit miffed, going, well, I'm better than him. Why am I coming off with 20 minutes to go? Well, players get tired. You have to take players off at times. But it's doing it at the right time, being opportunistic. And Ole was perfect with that last night. He really allowed those guys to go and do it. What Rashford's on the pitch for less than half an hour scores a hat-trick. Tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, to be honest with you. I think when you talk about... It's all about man management now for Oli because, yes, he hasn't got exactly the squad he wants. We know that. But actually, again, another question which I will pose to you from the listeners, and I did answer this last night, but they say, you know, is it the fact that United didn't sign Sancho has actually forced Oli to look at, you know, like the three at the back system, which actually suits the squad more? Because we haven't really got, like we said last week, the natural wingers. For me, I just think that he's got... We spoke about the window, didn't we? And uh, I said to you, oh, this is a disappointing window. I remember when Dale came on. Um, but looking at it now, actually, United have strengthened in very, very key areas. With Axel coming back as well, hopefully keeping fit, then the defence looks stronger. We've got more options at fullbacks now as well. Wambasak has picked up his form. 
looking towards the offensive options, as I said, Cavani hasn't even had a sniff yet. Uh, I mean, he's going to play such a big part. I'm excited, Rob. I'm genuinely excited because we look to the bench, as you said, Pereira, Igalo, work hard, not good enough. Enson Cavani's not even anywhere near being at his top form yet. He's just still settling in. He could play such a massive part. And you're looking as well that there's competition. I look at Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, Cavani. Let's talk about the forwards now. And in 99, I'm not comparing this before the listeners say, I'm not comparing this to the 99 um, forwards, you know, the four strikers. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we, we, you, but we bang on about squad depth. And that's what won United the Champions League in 99 because Oli and, you know, obviously scoring at, at the end. So looking at those options now, United can keep their front two, let's say, or three fresh. They can rotate it when they need to. They've got different qualities now. I still think Mason Greenwood is the best finisher at the club, bar none. I think he's an absolute killer in front of the goal. Martial's confidence now. He's got a goal. I thought he played well yesterday. I thought he worked really, really hard. I haven't seen that from him this season. He did it last season. He pressed well this season. I haven't seen that from him yet. So he was positive. Obviously, Rashford being absolutely dynamite, being the star boy that we know. But looking at those forward options now, what does Oli do in, in weeks to come? I mean, how would you be looking to fit these four very good players into a two or a three going forward? It's the best problem in the world to have is that you've got multiple players who can do multiple things. So Ole will not be having sleepless nights. He won't be feeling bad about any of this stuff. He'll be feeling great because it shows that what he's doing on the training field with them works. Who do you play? Again, I think you need to look at the opponents. You know, there are some defences that will play with a low block which means you have to be cuter in front of them. You have to have more creativity in front of that defence. So United have got players who can do that now. In, in years gone by, in the last five years, United have had virtually no creativity. It's been Pogba or nothing, and it's been left on Pogba's shoulders to kind of carry the team to play that magical pass. We saw, obviously, Pogba play that defence splitting ball last night that allowed Mason to score his goal. Fantastic pass. And in the part of the pitch where Paul Pogba can hurt the opposition. I think looking at the attack, who plays, it will be more about what systems does Ole want to play with going forward. I think that this kind of, I'll call it a 4-3-3 variation. I'm more comfortable calling it that than calling it a diamond. I think what we saw last night is that Ole feels comfortable now having certain midfielders doing defensive work, but allowing the forwards to go and play football and do the press. And we saw that press work really well last night. I still think Van der Beek, obviously, from what you were saying there, I don't think he was great in the press. I think it was okay. You know, he was trying to press, but it was a big difference between how Fernandez presses, who literally, as soon as a centre-back gets it, sprints and gets in his face. And as I said, lives in that defender's head. And maybe Van der Beek, who kind of went forward with the three in the press and then back. And that is a bit more wooden and a little bit more predictable and very easy to play around because there's three players, there's four channels, and you just play between the channels. Easy. You know, a team like Arsenal will do that all day long. So I don't think we'll see that completely re uh, repeated against Arsenal. You might see something like a 4-2-3-1, allowing Rashford to come back, allowing maybe Greenwood. And then you might even consider seeing Cavani go as the centre-forward. We saw that when Cavani came on. He went as the number nine. I was really interested to see what Ole did there. And you saw Martial go left. And Martial yeah, looked good left, on the he? left. Like, he came, like, when he went left for that 10 minutes, I know United were, you know, hopping and popping at that point because everything was working and, you know, scoring goals and Leipzig looked finished. 
you could see Martial like the extra freedom on the left. That he could kind of run at his player, and you can't always do that when you're the number nine. You've got the you've assist got, as well for Rashford coming off. You got the that. assist exactly. So, so I think they're all real benefits. You know, they're things that Ole will look at today when he's looking at all the feedback and all the videotape that they look at after games. He'll be saying to himself, "Right, I've now got genuine variation that I didn't have last year." You know, we talk about the transfer window. The transfer window is a soap opera. Yeah, fans love the soap opera of the transfer window. And of course, these last six months or so have been all about one guy. Yeah, and he scored last night, Sancho. Sancho didn't come to the football club because United had a choice to make. Do you spend £108 million, which we know was the price, on Jaden Sancho? Or do you spend around £90 million, which is kind of what it was, £80 to £90 million, on more players who impact your system more? That was the choice that United made. Now, that's not Glazonomics. That's not kind of saying that the owners did well or the owners were, you know, love United and want to help United. Absolutely not. I, I believe the opposite, of course. But what it does do is that Ole picked these players. I would say every one of them, except maybe Cavani, who was a little bit later in the day, but was approached six weeks before he signed. These are all Ole Gunnar Solskjaer signings. He gets the sign off on all of these. He, he's not given a player and said, right, go and work with it. Like maybe Mourinho was and even Van Gaal to an extent. He's been given this kind of carte blanche to make these decisions. These are his players. He wants these players in his squad. And you can see, by the way, he's rotating and giving players minutes and giving play players confidence and faith in their abilities that we're seeing the first kind of shoots of recovery in terms of Manchester United being more dangerous, but also defensively more sound. I completely agree. And I think the work that Oli does behind the scenes, which we don't see, which is away from the camera, is something which is very, very underrated. You know, you've said many, many times, and it's quite clear, the dressing room is happy. It seems like it's the happiest dressing room it's been since Sir Alex, I would mm. say. And we all know what it was like under Jose Mourinho. We all know under Louis van Gaal as well. Um, you know, they, they look genuinely happy. And it's almost like you have an issue, don't you? And it's a good issue to have as a manager where you have, so many options and you have to rotate but it's almost like they're not there's no one sulking there's no one um unhappy that you know in the sense of being negative of course they're unhappy they're not playing but they're looking to perform so that at a high level so that they get their place and the the performances have gone up and when i talk about performances going up i want to bring up bruno fernandez coming on and united i think so we're starting to struggle a little bit i think they were i think leipzig were dominating the ball we were sitting back a bit more and Oli made those changes, obviously brought Rashford on and Bruno. And the change when Bruno came on, and I tweeted that last night, maybe it's reactionary, I don't know. But on current form, I don't see many attacking midfielders who are better than Bruno Fernandes right now. I really don't, but with everything he brings to the game. And I talk about, obviously, his his numbers are fantastic, but his, uh, his mentality, his work rate, his attitude, um, everything about it. And I spoke to a Chelsea fan yesterday, a good friend of mine. And when Bruno first came to the club, he said, oh, he's overrated. Uh, he gives the ball away too much. He's a penalty merchant. And he messaged me last night and he said, Bruno Fernandez is world-class. Uh, he's absolutely world-class. And that pass for the, for the goal for Rashford was absolutely sublime, the way he scooped it. But talking about Bruno, Rob, has he emerged now as United's key to success going forward because we, we talk about Paul Pogba being the one who was we were so reliant on attack but I think now Bruno's I don't want to it's not about replacing anyone but Bruno now is for me the most important player at Manchester United um ooh. 
No, I don't. I don't like that hot take. You know, I, I think you, you can't win championships just because you got Steven Gerrard in your midfield, right? You know, it doesn't matter if you've got this great, all-encompassing midfielders who can do stuff and be great. It's a bit like the Pogba question. You know, is Pogba the most talented? Well, who cares? It's not about that. It's about how the system works and how the team works, and if you win. So, I think when you look at Bruno Fernandes, let's look at the core facts. Came in in January, changed the team completely, scored goals, got assists changed the mood in the dressing room, gave United some hope. I think what you look at with Bruno Fernandes is that he's a leader. And this is what I talked about when he signed in January. United are short of leaders. And he's a guy who's come in and said, right, I want to win. And you're going to come and win with me. And if you don't win with me, then I'm going to tell you. You know, the best dressing rooms are the ones that are self-governed from within. The manager doesn't have a lot of effect on that. You know, Fergie didn't have a big impact on the United dressing room as a whole, the dressing room sorted itself out, you know, whether it's someone like Roy Keane running it, but there are other guys in there like Gary Neville who are maybe a bit more quieter, but would still talk to people and be very stern about what they expect. I think we're seeing that now with Manchester United. I wouldn't say that if Bruno Fernandes was injured tomorrow, that United couldn't play like they did last night. What you would say is that they would have a little bit less to change it and flip it around for the last 20 minutes. And this is why I always say that every piece of the jigsaw is important. Just narrowing it down to more binary kind of outlooks. What we saw with Van der Beek last night was good for 67 minutes, 69 minutes, whatever he played. But he doesn't play that ball that Bruno plays to Rashford. He keeps it. He plays a ball, but he's not a progressive passer. He would have probably gone sideways or maybe played a one-two and run on himself and use that space behind. That might have worked as well. But Bruno's probably the only guy, along with Pogba, who can play that ball. And if I'm Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I'm telling Bruno, play that ball more in training. And that's that would have been rehearsed and practiced. You saw how Marcus tapered his run, just curved his run on a halfway line so he knew he was onside. I knew he was onside. When I saw that and he scored, I went, where's the goal? Because he was onside. And then it was like... then to finish, by the way, as well. Look, look I think that this is going to be a hot take and people are going to go, ooh, I think we're seeing kind of Ronaldo factors from Marcus now. Now, I'm not saying for a second that Marcus Rashford is as good as Ronaldo. What you're seeing is that he's become cold-blooded. The reason why he he would miss chances in years gone by, and even in recent times, is because he thinks too much. He gets into that area, he takes the extra touch, and then he misses, or the goalkeeper saves it. Last night, you saw Marcus Rashford be a cold blooded killer. Forget about his niceness, you know, now in the media and people, you know, he's the darling of, you know, the the tabloids and everyone else. Marcus Rashford is a footballer. His job is to score goals and he knows it. When you can come on for 25 minutes and you've not done an hour's worth of work, you can kill people. You can hurt them because they can't keep up with you because you're fit and ready and you're not tired, you're not fatigued. And then you're playing someone like, look, look at Upper Meccano. You know, everyone loves Upper Meccano, you know, you know, next generational centre-back. And we saw bits of him last night, stroll out with the ball and he looks lovely. I was Yeah, he looks great, doesn't he? Yeah, he conceded five goals last night and lost. That's the core fact. That's what matters at the end of today. Not that, you know, he's just generational talent. It's the same, I think, with Rashford. You know, if you use Rashford right and he doesn't play every minute and doesn't get ground into the ground, which we saw last season, he ended up breaking his back, which was awful and a really horrible injury to come back from. If you can say, yeah, do you know what? This week we're starting Cavani and Rash, you're coming on later on. I think Rashford's all right with that. I don't think Rashford would say, I need to play. I have to play. It's about winning. These guys want to win. 
And United now have a formula to do that. They have different tactical variation to do that. And I think Ole is more settled in what he can select. There's no such thing as what is my best 11. You don't need to have that. It should be what is my best 15? What is my best 18? What is my best 21? That's how big football clubs work. That's how United always used to work. And then do you know what? If you have got someone in there that people don't like, a Jesse Lingard, say, if he's part of the squad, it doesn't matter because he will play minutes in the right games, but he won't play minutes against Leipzig. You know, you'll play your better players and play your best systems. And we saw United play a system last night that I think fans will both like and also advocate in the weeks ahead because they're scoring goals, they look dangerous, and it's fun to watch. Completely spot on. I mean, you talk about Rashford's impact. I've just got it up in front of me here. So 27 minutes, 19 touches, four duels won, three out of four take-ons completed, and a hat-trick. Uh, it was a hat-trick, so I did it's forget right, that this You'll be all right with yeah, that. You know, like <laughs> work, Rob. Just took the ball home. You know, he's just uh, just yeah. got an MBE. He just got a hat trick. I always say you can't be goals. you can't be too high or too low about stuff, right? And I know people kind of say say, oh, you know. So I'm not saying let's downplay a five nil, but it will be a different task against Arsenal. It will be a different kind of a different kind of challenge. But what you can see, and this is the thing I really like about this Manchester United team at the moment, is they're all working hard. Right, every one of them. There isn't one strolling. I always say you can't carry footballers in a team. Sometimes you can get away with carrying one or two, but you can never get away with carrying four or five. If you do that, you lose and you lose heavily, like we did against Tottenham, the 6 1. Once you get players all fit, and that's the real key here, you get them through their kind of whatever their methodical preseason is over a six to eight week period. They can just run a bit more and they're fitter up here. They make better decisions. Their touch improves. All of those things that matter in football suddenly come through. And you can see with United the improvement across the team. Now that everyone is working as a unit, there's 11 players defending the ball and also maybe five or six or seven going the other way and attacking with pace, but with precision as well. You know, a surgical knife of an attack rather than just this kind of mad countering from deep because you've got pace and you've got Dan James, you, stip, you drop him in and he runs like a, you know, like a rabbit in a, in a straight line. That's not really football. You want more kind of tactical acumen there. You saw last night the pace worked, but they really sliced Leipzig apart. It doesn't matter how good they are. Top of Germany, doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and we, we talk about Upamecano, Canate is a good player as well. Their defence is fantastic. They're a very, very well-drilled side. And you saw the thread that I put out before. And my 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 concern, not concerns, but you look at Leipzig and very, very well-drilled. They, um, for example, let's say when the fullbacks, let's say the centre, centre mid goes out wide, the fullbacks are coming to middle. They're so interchangeable, very fluid. And Manchester United contained them. Like you said, I don't remember a, a big, big chance. I don't remember De Gea having to make a, a massive save. And... We talk about sort of the changes we made. So let's sort of talk about when Leipzig were getting more of a foothold into the game. And I think we saw that Leipzig sort of overloaded their right-hand side, especially in the second half. And what really, really stood out to me was that when Oli said to Rashford, you know, hold your wits down there, you know, on the right. So their, their left-hand side. And he just found the space to exploit it. And this is the thing, Rob. That's a very nuanced tactical decision to make, which most fans won't pick up on. But, you know, if this was Klopp, everyone would be praising it. If this was Mourinho, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer noticed something and brought on Marcus Rashford, as you said, pace with precision, and we just exploited it. 
Yeah, totally. And I think that, you know, systematically in that last 20 minutes, United didn't change a lot in terms of the shape or the intention. What you saw, and this is why the goals came, was that Rashford can run from deep in a way that Greenwood can't. Not because Greenwood's not fast, but because Greenwood, with his young mind, thinks slightly differently. You know, Greenwood, you know, absolutely was giving the coverage to the right-hand side and helping out. And you saw that several times where he ran back and made up an extra defender. And that's really good to see a kid do that and feel, you know, have that kind of outlook on what his role is. But when you put Rashford there... Rashford in a straight line sprint is going to beat everyone. And that's what we saw. So United could go a little bit deeper. They could they can then play a lower block and then a break from the centre and from the wing. It's not a winger system. You know, it's not how United were playing, but it means you can kind of exploit all of that space behind these uh, uh, attacking fullbacks who are trying to press the game to impact Leipzig positively on the front foot. So United tactically got that right. That's the manager. Yeah, that's not about, you know, people quite often say about performance. Oh, it's about how players perform. And that is true. You know, players have to go and take the tactical outlay and do it themselves at the end of the day. But you've got to have the tactics first. And it wasn't just low block, soak it up and counterattack, which is what we would see under Mourinho. You know, you'd see kind of a back nine almost. And you'd be like, this is boring. This is terrible. But yeah, they're stopping your position and no one's had a shot and goal. And here we are at nil-nil. It wasn't like that against Chelsea, was it? Chelsea was a nil-nil match. But United had 14 goal-scoring opportunities. So these are all real positive things that tactically maybe fans also statistically don't grab hold of because they're not there in front of their faces. It's it's very easy on a television screen to look at something and look at it a certain way. So people can say it looked like a diamond. Yeah, that's fine. It, it might have looked like a diamond at times. But expansively, that's not what it was. United were doing more things than just sitting with this kind of diamond system in there. But the 4-3-3 allows United to go and do things that, say, Man City do, and that is break fast, yeah, hurt opponents fast, you know, on the front foot. You don't have to be the quickest. You just have to be the most incisive. As I said, you know, the surgeon's scalpel, you know, the blade. Work through them, know where the weakness is, and go and exploit it over and over again until they try and react. Upamecano is great. He had no chance last night. United absolutely ruined him. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good he is, how much he's worth. You know, he could have been sat in that Man United team. One of the things I saw with him was that he wants to bring the ball out, like Van Dyke does. Yeah. yeah. Similar kind of yeah, outla he, outlay. He looks very comfortable, doesn't he? He did, but that also that was also part of the problem. Yeah, he wants to go. He thinks I'm better than everyone in this area here, so I will make them I will make the run and the space with the ball. That's fine. But when you're getting sliced to pieces. That's not what you do. Yeah, you sit a little bit more, you're a little bit more disciplined. Now, he's young. He's obviously going to be one of the best centre-backs in Europe in the years ahead. No problem with that. But for him coming out and making that extra play and running in there, you saw two or three times he lost the ball and United were on the counter and he was like, and not getting back. And it was taking him like three minutes to get back in his position. That doesn't help you. You know, that hurts you. So you have to balance these things back. You'd rather have a Maguire and a Lindelof who are a little bit more disciplined saying, well, do you know what? I'll play you 20 yards off me because I'm not the quickest, but you're not having that space behind me. Then Upa Meccano, who was going 35 yards with the ball, losing it and then getting killed on the counter-attack. They lost 5-0. There was one defence last night that worked and it wasn't Leipzig's. Yeah, and I think everyone, every man in the dog would have said, I would take Upa Meccano. Over Maguire and, and this is week. why individualism doesn't really work. You know, yeah. you can if, if you're at the end of a project and you're at Liverpool and you buy Van Dyke, 
you, you, you've worked the project out before you buy Van Dyke. You look at him and you go, he's the player I need to go to the next level he's to win a final title. Piece, isn't he, to the take final piece. Alisson yeah. and Van Dyke are the final pieces. You know, Liverpool have gone out and bought Thiago because they feel that they need that extra piece in there. United are the same. United are not in the Van Dyke situation at the moment. United are in a different place. United about making each position stronger. People said to me, oh, you know, you need to buy starters and that's how you buy, you know, and you, you shouldn't be looking at a Palestri. You shouldn't be looking at Cavani. Cavani's too old. Palestri's too young. No. You bring players in to actually work in the system. I think we'll see Palestri in the week's edge, you see, because this system suits him. I can see him playing on the right-hand side of a front three. If you play 4-3-3, he's tenacious. He's a bit nasty. He puts his foot in. He's only small, but he's got no problems. You know, he'll enjoy it. He'll love it. He's 18 as well. You know, you forget Greenwood's still 19. They're kids, these boys, but they're talented. And I've always believed, say you believe in youth if you can see that they can do the job. doesn't matter how old they are. So Palestri, I think, will have an impact. Diallo, when he comes in January, I think it's going to have an impact. All of this is to come. All this exciting stuff. You know, yeah, we'd have loved Sancho, but Sancho's not here. Forget about Sancho. He's gone. He might come in the future, but it doesn't matter. It's about what's going on today and tomorrow, not what's happening in January or maybe, say, in next summer, where United fans are already talking about wanting Upamecano or wanting Sancho. Get on with the football now. Watch what's going on now and look at the progress and believe in it and feel happy about that. Yeah, spot on, Rob. And when you talk about these young players, that's why the Cavani transfer for me is uh, absolute... I think it's absolute steal because he brings that experience as someone that scored. I mean, like we said last week, the graphic that came up against Chelsea after Messi and Ronaldo, it is Cavani with the most goals in Europe over the last five years. I know it's in the French league. It's not a particularly high quality, but you still got to put the ball in the net. And uh, We haven't seen him yet. And I'm really excited to see that. And I'm seeing a really happy squad and that's what's so positive for me. And we talked about Oli, obviously, having that six games to save himself, you know, after the after the Spurs uh, game. And he's just done really, really well. And he has a knack of doing this. And he's, he's bought himself some time, hasn't he? If we beat Arsenal and then we go over, we beat Istanbul next week, and then we go into the international break and we get a result against Everton, I mean, what a turnaround. And then we're sitting here and we're thinking, right, and this is a question I want to ask and I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's like with the players, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm looking at this Champions League this year and I'm seeing teams which no one's really standing out. Don't, I don't say anyone... it, hey, dog, no, no, don't I'm not going to say it. Hold on, it. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, I'm it. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. what I will say <laughs> is nobody wants to play Man United because they can hurt teams. I'm not saying we're going to win it. What frustrates me, and I've said this to you many times, is that you're looking at the Premier League as well. It's just a weird season this season. I think Van Dijk getting injured has just blown everything wide open. Nobody's looking particularly strong. <laughs> Someone can get thrashed, you know, next week and we're thinking, what the hell's going on? And that's where the perspective comes in, context comes in. But United have got much more depth now. They've got several systems, as we've spoken about, which they can interchange with. Like three at the back, four at the back. Obviously, you go 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, we can go 4-2-3-1. There's that flexibility there, which a lot of teams don't have. Some teams are struggling to find their first system. I think Chelsea are a side that don't know their primary system yet. Why can't United put a run together? And I know the consistency is a problem for me. That is why, at times, I've thought, can Oli do this? Because we look great for 10 games and terrible for 10 games. But United put a string of results together. The confidence grows. I do believe in that camp that the players are, 
they're very happy. And I do think that slowly they're starting to believe that this could be a, a very interesting season for Man United. I'm not saying we're going to win the Champions League, but this is the, the so-called group of death. We've got six points from six so far. I know we've still got some work to do, but going in and you get a favourable draw, United have that three at the back is very hard to break down and they can hurt any team on the break. And it's only Bayern Munich, I think, that have impressed me so far. Obviously, we've got City, Liverpool without Van Dijk are, are a completely different proposition. Why can't United have quite a belief that this could be quite an, a positive season for them? I just don't want to go and say something and someone's going to clip it up of me saying, we're going to win the Champions League because that's not what I'm saying. But why not, Rob? Why Why not? Look, why ultimately, look, look, ultimately, you play to win, right? You don't play to take part. You know, that's not what professional sport is about. You're in it to win it, yeah? You work hard behind the scenes. You do all the work. So on match day, it comes together and you score goals and win games. Manchester United are the same as every other football club. You can kind of do some blue sky thinking and say, you know, could United win this? Could United win that? Of course they can win it. Every team is, is in that scenario. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we were saying Liverpool can't win the league. Liverpool can't win the Champions League. You know, they don't have the foundations to do it. And then over a year or two period, they dispelled all of that and they've worked through it and become this, you know, great team that, that probably is the best in the world on their day. I just think football fans, as I said, don't get too high, don't get too low. I always say it because... Performances vary week to week. A lot of that is impacted through health. You know, are your players rested? Can you rotate efficiently? You know, if tomorrow Bruno Fernandes goes and breaks his leg and, you know, Rashford breaks his back again or something like that and Pogba gets injured, then you're not going to win anything. It's just a simple fact. Yeah, it's exactly the same for Liverpool. You lose Van Dijk, you're probably not going to win the title with Fabinho as your centre-back. So all of these things do count and do matter week to week. And that's why I always don't really feel the tension between games myself as a fan anymore because I look at that and I, and I know things can change. I think in the Tottenham game, there were mitigating circumstances. They weren't fit. They scored really early on, which put them in a kind of weird mindset straight away. You know, we're 1-0 up. Now we can settle. And they did. And Tottenham absolutely hammered them very, very quickly and got at them and hurt them. And these kind of little scenarios that happen within games can affect stuff but the bigger picture sending off was massive as well sending off and the, and, 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 the, and the bigger picture is about what happens on the training ground week to week now if you've got everyone healthy you you feel good you feel that you've got options and we've seen both in the PSG game and obviously in the Leipzig game that Ole's been able to play two very different systems with varying personnel but have the same kind of caliber of success which of course is victories now one's a 5-0 and one was a 2-1 it's not, I don't who cares. It's about winning. 2 1 is fine. 5 0 is fine. It's not about those. They make you feel better when you score five goals. But if you win 1 0 on a night, that's also okay. You know, and I think this is where United are. We talk about consistency. I say it almost on every podcast. From January onwards to the end of the season, Manchester United picked up more points than Manchester City and Liverpool in their individual rights. That's consistency. So we mustn't play the narrative that United are not consistent. They've not started well, but we know why, because they weren't fit. They're now fitter. You're seeing better performances, better results. Fans have to be patient sometimes and not just, you know, throw the dummy out the pram because they're not liking what they see. And we see this with Ole all the time, don't we, with the, the PE teacher jibes and all of these things. It's more about agendas, about fans wanting Pochettino, fans who still love Mourinho and have, you know, Jose's face as their... Twitter picture and they tweet you and tweet you and tweet you. We have to kind of look past all of that and just allow the manager to manage and let the players play. 
And I think we're seeing good things. You know, can United win titles? Of course they can. That's the objective. They're not there to make up the numbers. I know we were talking about the Glazers saying they just want top four because of the money. Ideally, United still want to win. You know, the, the Glazers don't train the team. The Glazers don't, you know, are not sat in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's ear every day in his office. It's up to Ole to manage that. But also, like we said a minute ago, it's up to the, the dressing room to be self-governing. And I think we're seeing that now. We're seeing leaders. We talk about Marcus Rashford. You know, Marcus Rashford should be the future uh, captain of the football club, yeah? And that's not just about what he's doing off the pitch. It's about his maturity on it and not just the goals. But when you saw his interview last night, that boy was cool and calm. He scored a hat-trick. He walked off and he had the ball in his hand. And you can see that he's somewhere else in his head. He's like, job done. Tick that job. I'm off to do the next bit of my work. He's not kind of like puffed up and like, wow, I've just achieved something, a hat-trick in the Champions League. I think the first hat-trick off a bench from Man United since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer against Nottingham Forest, which was a wow. million years ago. You know, it shows that all of these pieces are coming together and they're working. And and you know what? The guy you've got to say well done to, it's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ultimately. And one yeah. thing just to add to that, sorry, he doesn't care what fans who don't like him think. Yeah, you can moan until you're blue in the face and talk about Ole and jibe him and tweet about him and all that. He does not care what you think. He cares about his players. He cares about the opponent. And he cares about how he, he holds himself. And I think as a manager, he gets the balance right. He's not completely serious, but he's also not completely, you know, some kind of wild card manager. Yeah, over, yeah. Personality that is bigger than the football teams. He's there. He knows how Manchester United have won in the past. He knows, as a substitute, as the great super sub that he was, that your bench players win you titles. It's not just your starters. It's everyone. He was one of those players that won that Champions League final in 99, coming off the bench. I think United are in a very healthy place. I think the transfer window was good. I think these players are working in these systems, two or three different systems now. And let's see how United are against the big teams. You know, when United play Liverpool and City, it will be interesting to see how they match up and see if they can really hurt these teams because I think if these games were tomorrow United would hurt them well that's exactly it one of the the boys on my group chat did turn around and say I wish you're playing Liverpool tomorrow because we could really really hurt them put a statement out I, I know where I'll disagree with you is when you talk about the consistency I'll be honest with you because you say yeah we've been consistent since the end of last season but I know you like to look at the full the full year really but I look at Oli's reign and this is nothing against Oli but I look at it and it frustrates me because we can look so good when he first came in we looked incredible then obviously there was that drop off poor starts the season really all the way till went till January Bruno came in Oli got it right key players came back Pogba and Rashford and United looked fantastic again and then we had a really good end to the season then we've come in here again fitness has been the problem but we're starting to look more like our old self for me, that's too much like this, peaks and shots, personally. I know you you disagree with that. For me, it's too much of a, you know, one extreme to another. But I'm actually starting to see now that I feel like it's going to start plateauing, not plateauing, but sort of evening out. It's going to be a level sort of progression. I don't think we're going to see us go up and down like this again because I think a lot of that came down to the fact that we didn't have options on the bench. And we saw Bruno getting run into the ground, didn't we, during the rest after the restart. He just looked knackered. Rashford came coming back from that terrible injury, as you said earlier. What I want to see, and it's baby steps, I just want to see us be consistent. Let's say we have four fixtures. I know it's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but four fixtures in a month. I don't want to see us go and smash Leipzig and PSG and then go and lose to a Newcastle. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I don't want to see that. I want to see us be able to bring ourselves up for the smaller games 
as we yeah. do for the bigger games. And that's been a problem, I think. And it, it links back to when United were dominating things and used to have, obviously, Liverpool. Every time Liverpool would come to Old Trafford, they'd, they'd usually put on a performance. They'd not necessarily win, but they'd be up for it. And I think in years gone by, since Sir Alex, we haven't been at the top and we get up for the big games, almost as the underdog. But I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see Man United get beat up for every game. I want to see smaller teams come to Old Trafford and they, they're they quaking in their boots because they know that they've got to face Marcus Rashford, Paul Pogba, um, you know, Mason Greenwood, Bruno Fernandes. That's what I want to see. But I think what we can say is with the peaks and troughs, and this is where United fans have to taper their own expe expectations ultimately. You know, were there reasons for those peaks and troughs? Absolutely. At the end of last season, we lost Paul Pogba, we lost Marcus Rashford. So the, the performances waned going into the Europa League after, after a weird season in terms of uh, with the, the COVID lockdown and all of that. At the start of this season, we didn't start well. Why did we not start well? It's because the players didn't have a pre-season. This is what I'm talking about, Haydar. You know, it's not about you know, whether we want to see consistency or not. Of course we want to see consistency, but you must take it over 20 or 30 games. You can't take it over three or four or five. This is, I think, the weird place we are with fandom and supporters. You know, when I go to Old Trafford every week, you know, in normal times, I expect to see United win and play well. Now, for seven years, I haven't seen that consistency at home at all. Yeah, there'll be times where you play a Bournemouth and they'll come and beat you and you'll be like, what's going on here? And then the next week you'll go and smash, you know, a bigger team, someone, you know, someone who you expect not to win against the Spurs or someone like that. I just think fans have to taper and understand what the game is about. And I don't know if they, I'm not questioning yourself here, Haydar, but if you're worried about these two or three or four game periods, then that's on you. That's not on the team or the players. It happens when you get injuries. Yeah. It hurts your performances when players are not fit it hurts your performances. At the end of last season, it hurt Manchester United. Yet they went like 21, 25 games around that period of not being beaten. How can you be more consistent than that? That is as consistent as any top team in the world. You know, this That's season... It's still half a season, Rob. It's, it's, it's you need to do it for a full season. It's, yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, we see Liverpool do that, don't we? But they didn't have one injury for two years. Yeah? Let's see if Liverpool can do that this year without Van Dijk. You know, and then what are people going to say... Oh, Liverpool were not as consistent this year, so they slipped because they lost Van Dijk. It's the same issue that Manchester United have been in for the last maybe several years. We've had injury crises almost every year through that period, all the way through from Van, Van Gaal had injury crises in his two years, Mourinho had injury crises, and Ole had it at the end of last year where players were not fit. Players were not fit to start this season. If you do not have players fit, you will lose games, and it's not about consistency. It's because you're not fit. So it's not about whether these players are good enough. They've got to prove it when they're on the pitch. But when they're on the pitch, they are proving it. But say against Arsenal, we lose, I don't know, De Gea breaks his arm. You lose, uh, you know, uh, Pogba's out, breaks his leg. You lose Rashford again. You lose another play. You lose four or five. You're not going to be as good. You're not yeah, going to be as consistent. So the, yeah. the proof is, the proof shows that when Man United are fit, they're consistent because they had more points in that run between the top two teams in the Premier League last year, you can't actually be much better than that than being better than the top two in a consistent period. That's not blue sky thinking, that's facts. So when we talk about up and down performances, it's more to do with how we feel emotionally. We watch the team, they didn't play so well, but they drew nil against Chelsea. Players are going, you know, fans are going, oh my God, they drew nil nil against Chelsea. Ole out, Ole out, Ole out. They're not consistent. Unfortunately, that's crap. Yeah, if you uh, if you want to, if fans want to think like this, 
then that's on the fans and not the team. And thankfully, like I said a minute ago, Ole and the team don't think like that. They're there, they're professionals. They know they've got to go and do the job. They know they play badly. They'll get they'll get absolutely pelted for it. They know this, but there isn't this kind of lack of willing or a kind of a balance of equilibrium that's not there because the players are not bringing it or not trying to bring it. I think there's been circumstantial evidence as to why United's form has dipped at times, both last season and at the start of this year. Liverpool lost 7-2 to Villa. Manchester City lost 5-2 to Leicester at home, right? This is this is what we're in. This is where we are. United won 5-0 against Leipzig last night, the best team in the Bundesliga. Yeah. If, if people try and put all this together and try and make a nice pretty shape out of the Lego bricks, they're not going to get there because it's not That's there. Exactly. It's not real. It's not real. What's more important is what happens over 20 games. 30 games, because that's how you win a title. You don't win a title by winning three games, 5-0, losing 1-0. Winning five games, 6-0, losing 1-0. It doesn't work like that. Win 1-0 every week and you win titles. That's more important. But ultimately, we want to see Man United play Manchester United football. And I think we are seeing that. We're seeing attacking football. It's creative. There's a core now of really good players who can play with the ball at their feet that we've not seen for maybe several years. We didn't say it under... Van Gaal, we didn't see it under Mourinho. And, and they're a happier bunch. They're a happier camp. And that's what I want to see. I want to see the morale stay high, that they believe in each other. And then, then we'll see the results. We'll see kind of success come off the back of that. I am interested if United lose a game. If United do lose against Arsenal, is that the end of the world? No, but do you know what? A lot of guys out there and girls will be saying, oh, it's yeah. the end of the world because they lost 2-0 to Arsenal when they should never lose to Arsenal. No, that's not sport. At the end of the day, you've got to kind of taper it. Don't be too high and don't be too low. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And I agree with that sort of 20 game period. You can't judge things after five games. Completely agree with that. I'm just looking probably more in maybe you're just judging it on the historic from from January. Right. But I'm just I'm judging, judging it, it on sport. I'm Holy judging great. it on true sport core. I'm not I'm not jumping in on you. I'm judging it on how they judge it, how football clubs judge it, yeah? how professionals judge the sport. I'm not judging it on how a kid watching it on his TV judges it. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that because I can't, because this is why we do this podcast. And this is why we said we're going to do it because yeah. we're trying to kind of carve through the BS. Yeah. And the BS generally is the whole Ole out, Ole Pia teaching, uh, la, 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 yes. Mourinho, this, Mourinho, that. that's Nonsense. the noise. Nonsense. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the players don't listen to the noise. They listen to each other. They listen to the manager. And then we see the results happen off the back of that. So, Hayda, for yourself personally, if you feel you watch a game and it didn't work and United lost, I would say get off Twitter, turn your phone off and forget no, 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 it I, for the I, day. I, let, I, let, I, let them get off. And that's what I say to all fans, yeah. not just yourself there. Because when we when we address it in juvenile terms, yeah, we become the child. Yeah, we become the one spitting the dummy out. Now, there's going to be times where you lose 6-1 to Tottenham and there's no excuse. You can say, that's unacceptable. We should never lose 6-1. But even then, there were reasons why we lost so heavily on that day. It's, it's, and why uh, the boys weren't there, or didn't turn up. You know, yeah. there are reasons. It's not that this is a, a crumbling team where players don't like each other and not playing for each other, don't like the manager, feel kind of ripped off by the coach and how he's trying to play his systems. There's none of that. And that's the first building blocks. And fans should feel good about that. You know, even if you lose, you're allowed to lose. It happens. If you lose, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. But our fan base at the moment is rabid because we haven't won trophies in the way that we did under Fergie. I keep saying it, Fergie, three out of four years, didn't win anything, came outside the top 10. You know, I know it's forgotten now and we're a generation and two generations on, but that was a football fact. 
And he would have gone to bed at night sleepless, thinking, hang on, my team is outside the top 10 for three of the first four years. How It's not working for me. Am I going to get sacked? He was going to get sacked in in 2000, um, in uh, up in uh, 1990 before he had that cup run. He was out of the yeah, football yeah, club. He was gone. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Ole's anything like that, but tactically, it's the same kind of question. You've got to build slowly. You put the foundations in first, then the bricks, then the windows, and then the roof. I think United are somewhere around the bricks at the moment. They're nowhere near the finished article. And because you're not the finished article, you're going to lose games. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And what I will say is I'm definitely not one of those people. You know me. I'm not one of those people that sits there after Chelsea and think, oh, you know, this is terrible, etc. What I what I do want to see, though, is I want to see what we do in the Champions League. I know it's different, but translated more into our league form. Because at the end of the day, for me, Champions League is great and everyone goes on about it. But the league is your bread and butter. And, I, you know, we took it for granted. I took it for granted. You know, I'm, what, 25 years old. All I've known is Fergie. So winning trophy upon trophy upon trophy, you know, to win that Premier League title again is going to be so sweet for me, more than European Cup, the Champions League, for example. But what what I mean is that now that we're seeing positive results, as we saw last night, we did well against PSG, I want to see that translated into Premier League, which I expect to. But you talk about the injuries as well, Rob, and that is a problem at United, that our injury record has been terrible. And sort of delving, I know this is kind of off topic a bit, but is that more to do with... Uh, you know, not sorry, the training regime, perhaps, you know, the, the recovery regime, what is it to do with? Because it seems that right now, United, Touchwood, have got a fit squad. And over the last few years, injuries haven't been as bad as they were probably under Jose and even before then under LVG. Health comes about really with not just from training, but just players' natural dexterity in terms of their fitness. So sometimes you'll get a player who is injury prone, and you'll see every year he picks up the same injury over and over again. Harry Kane is a, a player a bit like that. You know, he will always have two or three periods out with the same kind of injuries. Sergio Aguero, exactly the same. So do you then not play those players and drop them and sell them and say, well, because they're not because they're injury prone, they're not good enough? Or do you find solutions within your squad? That's the key. I think what we've had is we've had primary players at Manchester United who are great players would get in other players' teams, whether it be championship winning sides or teams that have won European Cups. But we've not had this kind of rounded squad that can cope with injuries. And like I just said to you uh, earlier on, if Bruno Fernandes was out tomorrow, I feel better today about where Man United are with the squad in terms of replicating what he can do because we haven't had the bake than maybe I was before the transfer window. This is I why I say the transfer window is successful. If Anthony Martial gets suspended for three games like he did... If that had happened last season, we'd have gone, we're in trouble. Whereas, have we really missed Martial? Well, not really. He's been able to go on holiday for a little bit, get his training right, work hard behind the scenes, you know, have a little bit of a breather. And United have been able to rotate their striking options yeah. because they've now got right. strikers. So all of these things count. And this is how you build winning teams. You don't you don't build it through knee-jerking. You don't go, well, that player played play poorly this week, so he never plays again. Oh, you know, Pogba didn't run enough for me, so he never plays again. We sell him. Oh, no, you know, we didn't get Sancho, so that means everyone who plays on the right is going to be terrible. None of these things are true, yeah? What's true is you've got to find balance. And I think with injuries, quite often the sports science suggests that training regimes are not the reason for injuries, that you'll find that, most players do the same things now because they're so well-trained mentally with their fitness that they all do the kind of right things. But this is a contact sport. You know, you're going to get someone smash through you and that might be you out for a year. Look at Van Dyke. You know, Van Dyke 
it never has any injuries. Not, not an injury-prone player at all, is he? But it's Jordan, just freak. Yeah, if Jordan, if Jordan Pitford decides to slide right through his knee, then he's out for a year. So th this is how football is. You know, we saw it at the end of, say, Ibrahimovic's time at United. You know, Ibra never had an injury. Then his knee just went, and that was the end of it. It was the end of his United career, effectively, even though he did come back. But that was the end for him. And you have to be mindful of those things, that your squad must be big enough to cope with it. Even Guardiola, who I think has the biggest and best squad at Man City, couldn't cope with losing Laporte last year. Yeah. So what did they do? They went and bought Diaz this year. So that's the way it works. And I think United are now maybe on that part of the trajectory where you're kind of looking and saying, right, I like what the first 11 can do, but am I happy with the bench? People were saying to me, no, it's not about the bench. All They were saying to me all through the transfer window because they wanted Sancho. It's not about the bench. It's about quality on the pitch. You need the bench to have the quality that can replicate what is going on in the first 11. We saw that last night. I think we saw that in, in the other games this season as well, except maybe the Spurs result. I think the Spurs result was a freak result because of fitness. And then when you look at it and you narrow it down, how many games have we had this season in the Premier League, Haydar? Five? Oh, five. Five. <laughs> we're talking about a season yeah. five games in and people are talking about it like we're 35 games in. Yeah. No, people have to just stand back a little bit and think. And ultimately, I think these players are fitter. I think they're kind of, they're somewhere more, what I would say is kind of a cohesive unit in terms of what they're doing. And that comes from the training ground and from fitness. And those two things work together hand in hand. That is why I want to actually, my last point on that, cause, and then I just want to talk about Nagelsmann at the end quickly, because you know I think he's, he's it's worth touching on him, but it's about that cohesive unit. And that's what I'm seeing this season. I'm seeing us look much more cohesive. And it's no surprise that as the fitness levels improve, we definitely look way more well-drilled, I would say. Even after the restart, we went on that fantastic run and we were great going forward. But I, I do think, I don't know, I quite like the fact that we're in some ways... When you're pragmatic, and we, we have been a bit more pragmatic in the bigger games, that to me shows that actually Oli's tactical analysis is coming out more. I don't know if that makes any sense, but we knew we know going forward how good we could be. But I think what's more impressive is that we're still good going forward with that solidity at the back. If the, does that make sense? And that's what I've been impressed with with Oli. Yeah, and and that's what football is about about being what you can do back to front. Yeah, exactly. it's not about it's not about the low block. Like I, I'm not a, a huge advocate of the low block, and I think that managers play it because they feel that they have to just have strength in numbers in territory rather than hurting the opponent. So I think when Mourinho does the low block, and this is not necessarily the case of what he's doing at Tottenham at the moment, but certainly when he was at Man United, he would start with this low block, and United might get one shot on target the whole game and try and win games one nil. That's not what I want to see as a Man United fan. I don't believe that is what our philosophy is as a football club. I think what you've seen with Ole, both in the, the game last night against Leipzig, I saw it against Chelsea as well, even though it was a nil-nil draw. And again, goalless draws are allowed in football. It's not it's not illegal. Um, I think that United are playing well back to front. So we're seeing the ball come out from the centre-backs. We're seeing the full-backs push up and doing what they're supposed to do. But then the full-backs are both also tucking back in. Then you're seeing the forwards tucking when they need to. And then when United are on the front foot, it's not just this kind of pure counter-attack with speed, ethos. It's actual football. You know, I'm not going to say it's total football, but it's closer to total football than reactionary football. It's not exactly. just about it's not just about putting numbers in there. United didn't put numbers in there last night. Players played positions and roles, and they were able to counter whoever their opponent was. So someone like Pogba last night absolutely rinsed 
anyone who was on him because what he was be able to do was he he can hold the ball, he can spin, he can play a five-yard pass to feet and then move again. He can play one-twos, but do you know what he also can do? He can out-muscle someone and run in a straight line. Uh, most players can't do that. Bruno can't do that. Bruno's not strong enough. If, if, you, if you're tight to Bruno, yeah, you, you, you'll, you'll win a free kick, but he can't do that. You know, he's not, he's not got that physical strength. So you have to have balance. Fred, on the other hand, Fred came to United as more of a technical player and yeah, he's he developed did. into this kind of, you know, pit bull type midfielder who now Very kind of runs. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't a combative midfielder. God, no, he wasn't. He was never like that. It's not why we bought him. You know, he wasn't bought to be that kind of player. But I think he might have seen maybe how Fernandinho has done it and progressed at City. And, City, and he wasn't like that when he signed for Man City. But over time, he's kind of created his own brand of, of football and become really successful in that system. I think Fred's seen that and gone, I want a bit of that. I can do that. McTominay, exactly the same. Not technically as blessed as other players, but can play the system, can hurt players, can go in there and, and, and actually be physical. And that is part of the game. So I think United have a better balance now when it comes to all of those factors from back to front. Wambasaka, he needs to improve going forward, but we know he's probably the best tackler in the Premier League. There's it's lots of slide tackles in the box, Rob. Yeah. I mean, the timing is just it's phenomenal. There's a ton of upside that maybe United fans don't want to see, even in defeats. You know, sometimes when you lose a game, it's easy to go, well, you lost and that's it, and I'm not going to think about it, or I'm just going to scream and cry about it. But there's there's been lots of upsides in virtually every game this season, bar the Tottenham game. And that means that we are seeing progress, even if sometimes it's slower than we want, but we're seeing actual real Real-world, real-time progress from this Manchester United squad, both in the personnel. I think we've made the correct signings. Yeah, we didn't get Sancho. But I tell you what, if we had Sancho, we might have less points and we might not have won these two Champions League games. You know, that's devil's advocate, but he wouldn't have improved all those other positions that United have improved through the transfer market and actually through working the team now in these last few weeks in reaction to that Tottenham result. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And the last thing I will say on Fred is that he might not be the most creative, you know, in terms of his passing, but he's exactly what United need in that midfield for balance. As you said, it's all about balance because to counteract, I would say, a Pogba and a Bruno, obviously with their their forward thinking qualities, you need someone that is more conservative and pragmatic who will do the dirty work. They won't get the praise. And I think Fred's really stepped up. And both Fred and McTominay have stepped up for me because... They at the end of last season they weren't getting a sniff they weren't getting any games and I, I did a podcast before with um, on the show and I spoke to a few of the guys and I said well look it looked like Fred was linked to Galatasaray obviously mm. and McTominay uh, Manchester born lad obviously he's a local lad from the academy so it seemed that he would probably stay over Fred Fred looked like he might have been on his way out and suddenly fast forward to, to the beginning of the season and they've started you know two of the biggest games that we played so far and they've been fantastically. Uh, fantastically solid they've been very very good so that and that's the thing that now that they've stepped up as well United have options and that's what we didn't necessarily have after the restart and it felt like Ollie wasn't trusting his bench but to come back the way Fred and McTominay have I think is really really impressive so yeah like uh, I would say as well like with Liverpool you know not one Man United fan would want Jordan Henderson or uh, Wijnaldum in their midfield no one would say I want that type of player in my midfield Ultimately, it's about winning games and you have to put the right pieces, you know, on the on the chessboard where you think you're going to win. It's not a popularity contest. Like I keep saying, I, I don't think Fred and, and McTominay 
are my favorite midfielders of all time. I don't think technically they can do some of the things that I would like them to do, but they're really worthy of their places. You know, they, they showed it last year when Pogba was injured. They held that United team together from midfield when United went on that big long run of 20 plus games without a defeat. Yeah, that was through them, those two guys. So if you're the manager, you're going to trust them. You're going to say, do you know what? I know you can do it because I've seen it. And now I want you to replicate it again, but we're going to tweak it because Pogba's going to come into the team. He's going to play on the left. You're going to sit deeper. What we did see is when McTominay came on last night, it allowed Fred to go and do the press higher up the pitch. That's how United got the penalty, obviously, because Fred dis dispossessed the player, fed through Martial. Martial took his touch and got taken out, and it's a penalty. So these are all huge positives from players that might not have the blessed creativity that United fans are looking for from their players but can still do the job and do it really well and help you win football matches. Yeah, absolutely. And that was that was the thing. When McTominay came on for me, I was thinking it was the right decision because Matic obviously just got yellow, could have got a red. And I was just thinking, how is this going to play? Are we going to look to be just keep it solid? But actually, McTominay was playing some very good forward passes. He released Rashford, I believe, with a 40-yard you know, like pass. Um which, uh, which, he, which he played across the box. But I just thought that McTominay's one player who he must in some ways be an ideal player for the manager because the manager says to you, right, go out and do this and he'll just follow it to a T. And you need players like that in the squad. You know, you need players who might not be the most flashy ones, but actually sometimes you can't go out and play gung-ho football all the time, can you? You can't just go and... And he bleeds, he bleeds Manchester United. Exactly. You need that in the squad, whether people like it or not. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear it. Mark was saying, you need some of that in the squad. That's, that's the identity the fabric of the club you know the academy is so important for the club and if you don't like that well then that's stepping against Man United and going against Man United's history and values and it's so important in my opinion I know you agree with that as well but Rob, against we traditions you know we, yeah. we want play we want players who who feel it when you lose yeah when you feel it you go home so Rio Ferdinand said you know, Rio Ferdinand's not a Man United fan originally he's not a Man United boy he's not Manchester born you know but he would say you know he'd go home and he would feel it or every defeat, he'd be up all night thinking about it. You want a bit of that. You want that kind of responsibility from your players. I think we have a squad that does that now. You know, I, I don't think we had that under Mourinho. I don't think we had it under Van Gaal. We definitely, when Moyes came, Moyes kind of dis, you know, kind of disassociated the parts of the the United house that we were just talking about there from building from foundations to the to the roof. You know, he took that apart and that damaged him, and that's why he lost his job very quickly. I think now we have a manager that understands that. I think I have a manager that feels that. I think when a manager goes home and we lose, Ole feels it just like the fans do because he is a Manchester United boy. You know, he was at the club for many years and he trained there as a coach and he understands the principles of what Sir Alex Ferguson installed. And that's great. And I think we'll see more of that. It doesn't mean we're going to get immediate success. It doesn't mean we're going to win trophies tomorrow, but it means that we're on the right path. And especially when you've got an ownership like the Glazers, who are, going, who are very tight and take money out of the football club. You need a manager that's savvy, that can work through the transfer market and bring in players that maybe you and me don't identify as the best player that we want, but is the best player for him at that moment of time. And do you know what? Say United do push on now and Diallo comes in and he is this you know, generational talent like lots of people are talking about him being on the right-hand side. United are in a very, very good position. I think the long-term looks good. Necessarily, we might lose against Arsenal. We really might lose against Arsenal. They're playing well at times this season. They look good. But I think long-term, the, the pieces are there and Ole is doing the kind of systematic work that I like to see.
Yeah, and Rob, that's a fantastic way to end it completely. Thank you very much for joining me again, mate. Look, it's a really, really positive time for Man United fans, isn't it? We gotta, we gotta really appreciate these times because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen around the corner. We, we could lose on the weekend. You know, I think fans sometimes are within themselves to enjoy it, and that's what I saw yesterday. I saw too many people say, "Oh yeah, but Leipzig didn't play well." Well, yeah, yeah. enjoy it. Enjoy it. Like like us guys in the, in the press, someone said to me yesterday, tweeted me and went, oh, but you know, when United play badly, you guys tweet about what's wrong or you write about what's wrong. We do because that's part of the bigger kind of story. So you will talk about if something goes wrong. You'll, you'll obviously talk about it. But fans don't have to subscribe to that narrative. You know, so fans have now got plenty of ways of getting their information that, that isn't the traditional press or, or going through the press corps. They can watch shows like ours. You know, they can interact with people and talk more kind of roundedly about issues at the football club. And I think that's kind of what we all try and do now, even as journalists. But I certainly look at it as a fan. I don't want to be depressed every week. Even if United lose, I don't want to turn the telly off and then go, that's my weekend ruined. I used to be like that. I was like that for many years. You know, I couldn't control my emotions for it. And I would be the one kicking the table and, you know, wanting to punch the wall because United didn't play well. But ultimately, it's not going to help United. You know, you've got to kind of step back and say, no, do you know what? Supporting people and actually saying you've got faith in them always helps people a lot more in sport and helps them go to the next level because they want to feel loved. They want to feel that you're on their side and that you're not constantly against them. You know, we can talk about individual players who were blue in the face at Man United and there's been quite a few that have had backlashes from United supporters, supposedly in good faith of the football club. None of it's in good faith. Just let it go. If you lose a game, take it to the next game. Eventually, if the manager doesn't get it right, then yeah, Bochettino sat there waiting. Nagelsmann <laughs> might be the man. But look at yeah. Nagelsmann last night. He just got schooled big time. 5-0. Don't matter how good he is, how beautiful his systems are, how progressive he is, how young he is. You know, forget about it. You know, his suit was the best bit about his night last night. That was all about Nagelsmann. That was his flair. His players didn't show it for whatever reason. And that happens in football matches. And I think people have to give Ole a little bit of credit and also just a little bit more time to get on and do his job. Yeah. And the final thing I'll say to that is that also the other flip coin, flip side of the coin, because obviously now Nagelsmann's the one that everyone talks about as being the manager. But now I saw people saying as well, I mean, Ole deserves credit because he's just gone and scored the manager. So five nil. You can't, you can't fluke that. Yeah. But people are saying now, oh, Nagelsmann's a fraud. So there's a oh, that's the other side of the coin. And it's just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know that, that tells you everything, doesn't it? That tells yeah. you absolutely everything that you need to know. Oli schooled this fraud. I'm like, for yeah. God's sake. I said one... if Liverpool came fifth this year, people were saying clop out. Yeah, yeah, they would be. And that's ridiculous because he's proved that he knows how to win. So you, you stick with the winner. Uh, even if he's not winning, you, you say, right, hang on. Let's go back to basics. Let's try different things again. But what we see in football is that knee-jerking. is that you lose one game. I don't like this manager. Ole out, Ole out, Ole out. Nagelsmann out. Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann is top of the Bundesliga. Nagelsmann doesn't care whether you think he's good or not, right? Nagelsmann is a great young manager who's going to be at a top club in the years ahead. He could be the next Jurgen Klopp. He could be the next Pep Guardiola. Some future football club, even could be Manchester United, would yeah. be very, very lucky to have a manager like him. This result does not really bear anything on his kind of future endeavours or whether he's actually good at his job. Exactly. And what I will say on Nagelsmann as well is he's very, still very young. I, I don't think he's ready for a big club yet, if I'm being honest. I think he needs a couple more years, but fantastic manager. Rob, 
over an hour and a half as usual. I always enjoy it. It flies by. Thank you for joining me again on the masterclass. I hope you enjoyed it today. Cheers, mate. Thank you for having me. And let's hope that we get good performance against Arsenal and that our masterclass after that is all positive and sunshine and light and blue skies rather than some depressing ill victory that Arteta put on us and that they kind of schooled us this time because it does happen. I think this season showed that it seems to be very back and forth for every club, not just Man United absolutely and to all the listeners make sure you hit the like button hit the subscribe button you can find us on spotify and apple podcasts as well just type in elite football show and please subscribe to that and please uh if you if you really like our content hit the five stars as well because that helps us elevate the podcast uh so that more viewers can see it as well and a comment would be nice if you like this show as well or if you like any of our other shows but yeah make sure that you check out some of the other shows later on this week and we'll be back on sunday i believe for the masterclass after the Arsenal game. And that should be out then. So thank you very much. And we will see.